do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cubicleist. This show is like a journey into the inner recesses. Oh, I used to love recess. Of my mind, as I plumb the inky depths and pull forth the beauty that is the media I have consumed. Sometimes not so beautiful in the form of things I didn't like, but those are relegated by the intense joys of experiencing things created by others simply for the purposes of entertainment or edutainment if it's something that's also educational which is a, a compound word i do believe you call that which is something i maybe wor- learned while experiencing some edutainment huh that's how that works folks uh, let me give you a little behind-the-scenes action. Uh, recording uh, early in the morning, as I often do. However, got a couple hours before I leave with the missus, no less, which is surprising, for Toronto Comic-Con. Yay! From uh, your perspective, it will be quite a bit in the past that that happened. Also, I will have that episode posted before this one, so we're all sort of messed up with time, which is what happens when you pre-record as much as I do, so that when I die, there will be probably between four to six podcasts released post to my death, which is delights me to no end. If I were to get hit by a bus now, somehow, in my <laughs> living room, uh, somehow, some way, in, in the next uh, four to six weeks, the p- podcast would automatically post from beyond the grave. <laughs> Ah, boy. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. We're here so that I will push a button that will start a series of five five five-minute timers while I will talk about various things like this. Hello? What the fuck? Ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Emily Ratajowski's Rat Jet Skis. Thank you for that sponsorship. For movie the first, Spider-Man colon Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, I finally saw it. Man, it was good. Uh, laughed, cried, had emotions throughout. Uh, Love the art style. These are all things thousands of people have said. You know what? These are things millions of people have said. Thousands, if not tens of thousands of people have probably said on podcasts. Uh, I'm just adding to that wave of delight because it was, 
aforementionedly delightful. <laughs> uh, I, I like how they they almost not almost they did know uh, of people's not sickness yeah maybe sickness for the thickness no but sickness for uh, Spider-Man's backstory like I wonder how many times uh, in my life in movies and I'm counting uh, original viewings and then subsequent viewings I have seen Spider-Man's backstory like out of all backstories in all things that have backstories I wonder if I've seen Spider-Man I feel like I've maybe seen it more than Batman even and I'm a bigger Batman fan than I'm a Spider-Man fan so it's nice that they sort of acknowledge that people like me exist out there and there's probably a lot of us so they sort of uh, gloss over it in a, in a in a sort of comical yeah we know you know this sort of way uh, and if and you know what the, the other good thing they do uh, just with regards to that is if you don't somehow know Spider-Man's backstory and you're seeing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, you're you're not necessarily going to lose anything. The, the uh, just on a sort of similar vein, uh, they take it into account that people of this day and age sort of know of multiverse theory, <laughs> which I love. Like uh, I feel like in, in in days gone, you would have. Uh, sort of great swaths of your movie of people explaining the, the, how many multiple universes can exist where things are just subtly different that sort of thing whereas here even like Aunt May is like oh yeah multi multi-universe okay yeah one of those okay got it <laughs> fucking awesome uh needless to say five out of five moving on to movie the second Fahrenheit 11.9 oh uh, first of all, off, the title uh, is goddamn delightful uh, in that uh, uh, Michael Moore's first movie, Fahrenheit 9-11, uh, chronicling that uh, day, mostly. And then moving to this, Fahrenheit 11-9 just so happens to be the day that Trump was elected president. Coincidence? Yes. Yes, it is. But still, two, <laughs> two days in American history that... Uh, I'm sure anyone can uh, uh, consider infamous to some degree. Yes. Uh, this doesn't 100% focus on Trump 100% of the time. Uh, we sort of uh, dip back and forth between that uh, and various other subjects. So it's almost like he took, uh, uh, Michael Moore that is, uh, various subjects that he wanted to talk about and sort of jammed them into this as a sort of a, a refresher of what's going on in the United States is kind of how I looked at it and uh, I very much enjoyed it uh, as I uh, have enjoyed all of his movies uh, what was my favorite one the one where he comes to Canada I forget if it was Sicko I think it might have been Sicko or maybe it was Fahrenheit 9-11 anyways there's one or, or the gun uh, bowling for Columbine anyways there's one where he comes to Canada which is where I am and it's just like walking around <laughs> opening people's doors uh, now I like that uh, I, I like that because it shows Canadians are trusting but I also want to say I don't know anyone who leaves their doors unlocked <laughs> like I always lock my door home or not so the door is always locked and that I think rhymes almost so five out of five Fahrenheit 11.9 next moving on to the American meme yes an unplanned sort of connection between movies here and that uh, looking at things American uh, this one specifically following around folks who are internet famous, I guess you could kind of say. Uh, one of them being, of course, the lovely Emily Ratajowski. As I uh, uh, joke with the misses, 
who uh, I never say her name on the podcast, not that she ever asked me not to, I just sort of call her the Mrs. by default. Her name is Emily, and I often say Emily Ratajewski is my second favorite Emily. Uh, Not just because she's beautiful, but she actually does, you know, good in the world. So there's that. Uh, Also, uh, a large chunk devoted to Paris Hilton, which I uh, enjoyed. Uh, Paris Hilton and I share not only the same birthday, but the same birth year, which is interesting. And uh, I I often have this thought of me and Paris Hilton that... uh, I do kind of want to stick to the timer, uh, because as I said, i got to leave in a couple hours. Um, But I I did want to mention this. Uh, uh, Regards to Paris Hilton and I, (laughs) which is a weird sentence... Uh, uh, I often, not often, but have thought, uh, two people, uh, born on the same day, uh, uh, of the same year, February 17th, 1981, in case you want to send me a gift, uh, could not have more different lives between me and Paris. That's what I used to think. But then I realized that there's someone in, like, a a, a rural village in China, uh, born on February 17th, 1981, and, and then my, my thought goes down the roads of maybe between uh, Paris Hilton and that, uh, that Chinese villager uh, is me. So I, I'm like the halfway point between those two disparate sort of lives. Those, those 38 years old as the, at the time of this recording lives. So, you know, just a sort of dumb, interesting thought. Last but not least, Green Book. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. American Meme. Jeez, uh, I think I give that like a 4 out of 5 or a 5 out of 5. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. Yeah, I think I did the same 4 out of 5 or a 5 out of 5. And last but not least, uh, which I'm out of time, so I don't really have time to talk about it, Green Book, which is, uh, you know, it's sort of, uh, I guess, coincidentally uh, uh, entwined with America's history as well. Now that I think about it. So uh, none of that was planned. Just a happy accident. What's not a happy accident is friggin' racism, which uh, sort of shocks you, this this movie repeatedly, of things that happened and uh, to some degree do continue to happen. So uh, you'll watch this and I hope be shocked uh, and delighted as well because uh, there is heartwarming, there is, uh, there is laughs, there is cries. Uh, this is a very, very, very good movie. I think I would actually go 5 out of 5, which... For, uh, did this win, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Academy Award, whatever that one is called? I don't pay attention to those. I know it was nominated, and that's sort of why I watch it, because I usually try to watch those movies, uh, just to see if people <laughs> were at all on track as far as saying you should watch them or not. And, uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. This one definitely yes. Very much enjoyed it. Uh, would all go 5 out of 5 or 4 out of 5, somewhere in that neighborhood as well. Folks, really... Oh man, we didn't have a movie under four, so that that's impressive for that movie monologue. Television talk. Today's television talk sponsor is Physical Media. Thank you for that 
sponsorship. Okay, a little bit different. Uh, this could actually probably fit better in a cleanup conversation, uh, but because it is definitely TV related in some regards, I thought it would uh, jam it in here. Uh, the other, I don't know, some weeks ago I spoke of uh, organization and the, and the sort of kick I have been on in regards to that, where uh, basically in the kitchen, of uh, my house I took like everything out of the every single cupboard basically uh, looked at things that hadn't been touched in a year sort of put that in a box and put it aside uh, <laughs> I did not tell the missus I did that part of it and she still hasn't noticed so my plan is if a year has passed and she doesn't say something like oh yeah where's this thing that I need to use uh, then if she doesn't say that, I'll just get rid of all that. Sneaky, yes, I know. Uh, I mentioned at that time that I was doing a similar thing in my, as I call it, a man cave is a sentence I don't like saying, uh, is, a, is a phrase I don't like saying. So uh, I, I call it a manden, which is a combination of man and den, and said really quickly so as not to be as dumb. Perhaps more dumb, though. I am not sure. So in my manden, uh, what I did was I had one, two, three, four, five. I'm, I'm in it right now. This is where I record five shells that each have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, between eight, around eight shelves per shelf, if that makes sense. And all of those were filled with a combination of things. Um, I'm just going to throw out some random numbers, 80% movies and DVDs. Uh, uh, 20%, and I'm going <laughs> to, this is going to be so bad math, 20% books, uh, and then 10%, uh, like, little knickknacks and such. I know that's 100, 110%, don't think I didn't notice that, uh, but I like to give 110%. So, <laughs> dumb. So what I did was, uh, I literally opened every single DVD uh, every single uh, TV series and took out every single disc. Then I bought three, count them three, uh, 1,000 disc uh, DVD cases. So each case fits 1,000 discs. And they're all in little sleeves and they're all sort of individually uh, numbered. And the number, uh, it's kind of cool. You open up the case and on the lid there's a, a four there's four slots, uh, four compartments, and each one is numbered, and uh, each number you can put like a little num uh, a little label so you know what each disc is. It's really well done. I recommend them. Just got them on Amazon. They're like uh, 70 bucks, so they're, they're not cheap, but the end result I think is definitely worth it. So what I did, uh, put every single one of my uh, discs into three of these. So uh, that's... 2,000 for sure, uh, and then probably 2,500 discs, uh, and I've also got in there all the discs from my games as well, so that's PlayStation 2, 3, 4, and some PC ones as well, so all of them in three neat little cases that fit in a, uh, uh, I'm going to say a 3x3 three three cube, so uh, pretty cool, uh, and the reason I did that is a couple fold, uh, I threw out all the DVD cases and, and um, uh, TV uh, seasons where I thought, eh, you know what, I, I don't care if this is something that is displayed on my shelf. Does it, and I'm going to take a little from Mary Kondo, which is maybe part of what, sp what sparked this idea, uh, does the thought of displaying the season of this television show on my shelf spark joy? 
<laughs> and if it didn't, I got rid of the case. And if it did, say, like I'm looking at uh, Mad Men, for example. It's just the first thing that caught my eye. What I did was I had all the seasons, but I would only keep the box of one of the seasons. Uh, so that way it's still represented without taking up all the space that the entire series would. So basically I've got my shelves down probably one-third of what they were and it just looks a lot cleaner and I wanted to talk about it because for some reason it excites me and that's what this podcast is all about for some reason. Conan the Librarian. Incredibly boring I know but hey. Today's book banter sponsor is Shadowfell Lighting. Ah, okay, so just to sort of combine uh, the last talk, which is, you know, probably a boring thing, hearing someone uh, describe organization of <laughs> physical media, but still, it's something that, uh, uh, for some reason, uh, and I almost don't know why, sort of excites me. It's perhaps how I went to school to be a librarian. Maybe I was getting some of my librarian jollies off. Ooh, I think that's the title of this episode. Getting your librarian, getting your librarian jollies off. Ooh, that's a good title. Uh, and to tie it in with this, uh, one thing I did of the book series is I have, like the book we're about to talk of, um, I sort of did a border around, around the top of all my favorite series is, and it looks really cool. Uh, the coolest one is, uh, with the, my tax money, I got some money back in my taxes and I bought the remaining, uh, like f- five or six Terry Pratchett books that I didn't have. So now I have every single Terry Pratchett book all on one shelf. Uh, and behind that shelf, I have uh, 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 the the turtle, the the disc world on the turtle's back on the elephants. Uh, you know what I mean when I say that on the elephants on the turtle flying through space. I have that art, uh, sort of with all the books around it. it. Looks friggin' awesome. Anyways, we're not here to talk about that. As we're in the book banter section, we should be talking about books. Although that was books, but the specific book, if you're following along, you will know is Neverwinter number four by R. A. Salvatore. The book in question is titled The Last Threshold, which makes sense as it's the last book of this quadrology. Let me read the good read, see if that gives us any clues. In the final book of the number four New York Times bestselling Neverwinter saga, Dritz Luerden navigates a winding path littered with secrets and lies. Ooh. Tangled up in his companion Dahlia's dark secrets, the ties that once held her close to Drizzt threatened to tear threatened to tear as her bonds to his former foe Artemis and Tiri continues to grow. Oh yeah, a little uh, uh, thruple growing there, it almost felt like. Uh, meanwhile, in the caverns of Gardogorium, <laughs> goddamn fantasy names, I'll say it every time, uh, the dro Tiago Bairn enlists the help of Bregan in the quest to destroy Drizzt. Fuck off. While making promises they may not keep, the agents of the elite dro mercenary group hide plans of their own. Determined to stand for what's right in the realms, once again, Dritz forges a new road north towards Icewind Dale. Ooh, I like that. Uh, will his new companions follow? Yes. Can he fight the darkness alone? No. Either way, he knows now where he's headed back to the only place that ever felt like home. 
yeah, uh, that was an interesting part. So the book is sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of broken into two parts. The first two thirds, uh, if you will recall from the the, the previous books, his uh, uh, his longtime companion Guinevere, the panther called from the astral plane through a figurine, uh, was trapped by an evil lit, not a lich, just an evil sorcerer, magician, uh, uh, no warlock, warlock, yeah. <laughs> I gotta think in D and D terms here, by an evil warlock. So uh, a lot of the first part was how are they gonna get in and get them back. Uh, the fascinating thing about that, actually, that I liked was, uh, and this is a bit of a spoiler, uh, he gets captured by this evil warlock and spends like months and months and months with him to the point where they become almost friendly with one another. Uh, I maybe a sort of uh, uh, what's that syndrome called? Uh, we're, we're, oh god, I actually literally heard someone on a podcast say it yesterday. Oh fuck, okay, well I don't have time to think about it. So, um, that part, and then the part where eventually he's free and decides that he, I guess, wants to spend the quote-unquote end of his life, uh, in the place where he had the most fun and, and joy. He wants to spark joy. <laughs> so he heads back to Icewind Dale. Uh, and then sort of from there, the search for his lost friends, which I guess we kind of find, maybe, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. It's left open to us to guess, I guess. Uh, five out of five for the whole series, five out of five for this book. I fucking love Bob Salvatore. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is Grub Self-Cooking Crab Shack. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, speaking of D&D, which I did in the last segment, and I seem to often do now, uh, I have for you another of my famous or infamous or no one has ever heard uh, D&D recaps. So I play in one game and I DM another. Uh, this is from the one I play in, the Harry Potter themed one. Uh, and I have titled this session number three, The Red Room. Hmm. So uh, basically, if you're unfamiliar, I'll just uh, read the recap that I wrote as I do uh, write recaps for each session because I enjoy doing so. And I enjoy reading them here. <clears throat> These also mean the episodes will be long, which I fear this one already is, which uh, fucking uh, on a time when I don't have extra time is not great. But hey, what are you going to do? Bye. An inescapable puzzle room is how our adventurers find themselves initially occupied, including a new member of this sometimes merry band by the name of Kira, who despite being pulled into this mess reacts with aplomb. Oh yeah, I got to use the word aplomb there, which is nice. Uh, we had a new player. Uh, this was her first, I don't actually know if it was her first time playing, period. Or just uh, definitely it was her first time playing in this campaign. Uh, and she did very, very well. And uh, a lot of fun to play with. And I liked her. Uh, anyways. Uh, tiles and candles and magically sealed doors give some hot and cold foots. Before the ravens, snakes, badgers, and lions all depicted on the floor eventually, with much head scratching, lead to a solution that opens the door. A door to some sort of seating room slash office once inhabited by whoever created the previous trapped room. Some searching of the room reveals jugs of various liquids, a bookcase, a desk, and both a red and blue door, the latter of which, Grob, 
which is my character, opens, because that's what doors are for, but finds itself, oh yeah, because Grob is genderless, find itself pulled into a dark red room. Uh, on that note, dark vision means I can see uh, in this light, in this low light, but can only see in black and white. Oh yeah, uh, the room was described as red, but it was basically really dark, so I would have only seen it in pitch black, which I forgot to mention, since I guess I am the rules keeper, <laughs> apparently, but not in a dickish way, I, I promise you. Uh, only uh, Kira heard Grob's uh, plaintive cries for help as he was trapped in this room, so she alerts the others, who eventually uh, decide to help him. Grob, whose bones came to life while buried, is obviously not the biggest fan of enclosed spaces, so he starts to panic. Perhaps sensing this, or with no better ideas at the moment, the rest of the team jump through the portal, and after some experimentation and scratched button pressing, a series of blood red and seemingly fire-breathing giant crabs attack, only to eventually all be destroyed with some freezing witch bolt, magic missile, levitation, fire, and good old-fashioned hitting with bones. This does not... This done, a new door opens wide and Grob and Kira do not hesitate to enter and are greeted with a room full of treasure, literally top-to-bottom gold and magic item. Grob nets himself a staff of healing, which he needs a druid slash bard slash cleric to attune it to him. Oh yeah, I gotta remember that. While Kira gets a beautiful bow and likewise needs to have it identified. Uh, the exit. They exit the room and let the others know of the treasure since they are nice, but the others are fighting over the delicious crab as the doors of the treasure room slam shut. Yeah, that was funny because we literally tried to tell the other party members they were tr treasure, like gobs and gobs of it in there, uh, but the door was sort of closing. Uh, or going to close, and they were arguing over how to cook the crab, basically. <laughs> uh, so didn't get any treasure of their own. But we tried, we tried. Hashtag don't split the party, I've written here. Uh, red room eventually behind them, the party find themselves once more in the seating area. Or do they? Things are subtly different, including a new fireplace. Books seem to have different titles. And the return of the jugs of the four fluid. Infinite jugs? Uh, battered, low on spells, and in Artie's case, near death at one point. Oh yeah, we had some death saves. Uh, the students decide to call it a day. Should be easy to sneak back to their rooms at midnight on their first night in a strange magical school. No. Of all the teachers to catch the students in the halls after curfew and likewise catch in both lies and magical disguises, Snape... Is probably the worst. So much so that Grob immediately falls into a pile of bones, leaving his very good friends to sort things out. <laughs> uh, the reason I like that is I was saving, like my character is basically a sentient pile of bones, uh, and one of my abilities is I can like fall into a pile of bones where I, I literally just look like in inanimate bones, and I was saving that for like like a boss fight or or something really cool. So, but I decided the perfect opportunity would be to use it here, where we're being caught uh, in lies and out after curfew. I figured, ah, you know what, this is a good time. Snape has us busted. I will bones. Let everyone else deal with whatever's gonna happen. Uh, sort things out, which they do in the form of points from each points off from each house and also detention detention at a school they have not even attended in one class in is not great but say la hogwarts v uh yeah 
postscript. Oh yeah, uh, we're going to be starting next session in detention, which I'm curious how that will work. Uh, postscript. As Grob does not really need sleep, it decides to make some use of some of its night. Through various means that shall go unmentioned, he works his way into each of his new friends' rooms, and after watching them sleep for a bit in a not-at-all creepy manner, deposits under each of their pillows a tooth in the following note. Uh, should, <clears throat> should you keep this tooth on your person, it is attuned to me in such a way that occasionally at great need we can communicate from afar. There may be other things it will do as well. We are working on it. Uh, so basically I worked this out with the DM, Samantha. Um, and I'm not sure if she's enthused with it exactly, but, uh, I just wanted it as an option. Uh, and I don't, I, maybe I'm misreading things. The, the, the reason that I sort of gave this to her as a thing she could do is quite often I've found uh, this party likes to split up. <laughs> we'll be in different places of Hogwarts doing different things, which uh, if you've ever DM'd is a hard thing not only to keep track of, but to do, just sort of period. Uh, and then you find as a player that you're sort of watching other people do things for a large sort of swath of the game, which is uh, not not fun, but you also want to do things. <laughs> so uh, my sort of thought here uh, that I offered up to her was uh, she can use this ability through Grob where at need I can, and, and we did use it already uh, this session, I just added this flavor to it, where I can communicate, like I have the message cantrip, which only has a range of 120 feet, and it's, it's not line of sight exactly, but I can't go through like a bunch of walls and stuff. So uh, my, my, my sort of flavor to be able to use it at greater distances uh, is that if they are sort of attuned, quote-unquote, to this tooth that I gave them, that I can uh, contact them over greater distances, sort of a, a call to arms. Uh, so, for example, in this case, the new player, uh, uh, one of the players was sort of out at the Quidditch pitch while we were all trapped, uh, so she could have spent the whole session, like, not knowing where we were, basically, and just, what, sitting around doing nothing, which wouldn't have been fun for her, but I was able to call to her, and she sort of joined us on the adventure. So it, it, it's really just flavor for something we already did, uh, and I like that sort of thing, so I mention it. internet intercourse sponsor is from obvious headlines incorporated we give you brexit wounds thank you for that sponsorship okay uh, i just wanted to give a honorable mention to internet because there was so much good lately uh in terms of podcasts and and, and just like so much good that i had trouble picking things uh, uh, for this. Also the fact that I hadn't recorded in a little while, I think it sort of backed up. Um, so I, I may have picked wrong. I don't know. It's just uh, really, really a good lot of things to choose from. Uh, first I have here last week tonight. Oh yeah. I got a little caught up. Um, 
uh, last week tonight, which is technically a television show, but I watched the clips on the YouTube channel. Uh, physics, Brexit, and automation. All interesting topics. Oh, uh, yeah. Psychics, sorry. <laughs> Goddamn psychics. You know what? I, I'm not someone who gets uh, angry easily. What One thing that makes me uh, uh, angry are psychics. People exploiting others, exploiting their pain exploiting their uh, using sort of willful ignorance oh, it just makes me so mad uh brexit uh that one was interesting because uh he encapsulated it well where i sort of knew the gist through all the things i had seen over the months but uh he made it more interesting basically uh they're fucked <laughs> that was the sort of sad takeaway like uh yeah apparently not much can be done which said automation uh that one's scary uh, I have a job where automation with, uh, b -b 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 like, strong AI, I suppose, would be possible. So uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but the, the, the AI needed would be quite advanced at this stage, but it, it's something that would eventually happen. So, you know, something i got to, you know, pay attention to. One thing I'm sort of looking into on that note is uh, courses on, uh, uh, like, uh, learning AI, like, uh, because it's, I, I think it's less programming and more, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm sort of looking into that sort of stuff. Cause that is the future as they say, uh, someone, uh, okay. Moving on. Someone on YouTube posted all of Albert Brooks, uh, David Letterman interviews from 1982 to 2012 and do yourself a favor. It's like two, it's over two hours long, but it's fucking awesome. Uh, Albert Brooks posted it on his Twitter and I saw that and knew it would be amazing two super funny people that's shooting the shit on a uh, late night television for over two hours over two decades hey come on M way more than two decades well more than two decades anyways uh anthony rap on kind of funny games yeah uh, anthony rap uh you may know from uh, star trek discovery which i watched uh, the most recent episode minutes ago in fact uh, also may know him from his uh, occasional appearance on Never Not Funny, appeared on a video game podcast that I listen to just about every day, Kind of Funny Games. So uh, that was interesting. I, I didn't know he was a quote-unquote gamer. So uh, it was an interesting crossover. Uh, my theory at this point is Anthony Rapp will do any podcast that has the word funny in the title. Uh, another interesting crossover, almost in the sort of same vein, uh, Ben Yahtzee, Crenshaw on Comedians Comedian Podcast. Yeah, uh, a little bit different. And uh, Ben Crenshaw said this sort of right off the bat, and so did uh, the host, uh, Stuart Goldsmith, uh, that he's not exactly a comedian in the sense he's not like a stand-up comedian. He does not go up and tell jokes. But he's a comedian in the sense that he's a funny dude. Uh, if that name you do not recognize, uh, he does a web series called Zero Punctuation that has been going on f since... 2000 he's 700 episodes in uh yeah it's it's an incredible thing it's uh something i have spoken of on this podcast since i started it and it started before this podcast just as a sort of example and i started this in 2012 uh so he's been doing it for a long time and they're always incredible uh so the fact that i felt like i hadn't brought him up in a while in an internet intercourse and the fact that we have this amazing crossover with a podcast that i very much enjoy I like it. Uh, next we have uh, Gilbert Godfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast, episode number 250. Yeah, they had a special episode where they answered uh, questions, had a bunch of people call in. It was good. 
the, the, the fun thing about that is it's got a little bit to do with my episode 500 that's coming up. Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, more on that at some point, but uh, I just wanted to mention that as a tease because somehow, someway, Gilbert Gottfried will be involved with episode 500 of this podcast. What the frig? Folks, it's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper